This is Derek Moyer, and welcome to the Freedom Fighter Podcast. Welcome, friends, to another Freedom Fighter podcast. Hope you're good. Um, this is part two of John Edwards' interview um, around Captivated by Communion as we continue his story. I just pray, God, uh, guys, as, you, if, if, as you've been blessed by part one, I pray this part two encourages you even more. <laughs> Enjoy, guys. But at the beginning, uh, I didn't do that. At the beginning, God was gracious to me and I used to seek God in other ways. At the beginning of my Christian walk, I was still smoking cigarettes. But I used to find myself in the presence of God. Until one day, God really convicted me and said, it's time to stop them. And at that time, he enabled me to stop them. Mm-hmm. Before that, man was telling me to stop. <laughs> and man was making me feel guilty. Yeah. But I didn't feel guilty in my relationship with God with smoking a cigarette yeah. at that time. Mm-hmm. As some people might not like me saying that, but that was my relationship with God. Yeah. God met me where I was at. Mm-hmm. At the very beginning, I was taking Valium every day. Mm-hmm. And God met me there. He didn't condemn me for it. Some Christians condemn me. Mm-hmm. But then he said, now it's time to stop. And I went, I went to Teen Challenge. Mm-hmm. And I stopped smoking as well. Mm-hmm. And my conscious contact with God improved as I did that. Because I took something out of the way that was stopping my meditation mm-hmm. and my close conscious contact with God. Mm-hmm. So I took something out of the way and and then I discovered in Teen Challenge that, you know, there was some stuff happened to me in my past, like where I was sexually abused and physically abused. Mm-hmm. And I read in James 5.16 where if we confess these things to somebody else, it brings healing. So I talked about these things and I took those things out of the way. Mm-hmm. But I talked about them in such a way like I was letting them go. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to dwell on these things anymore. I'm letting them go. Mm-hmm. And I talked to my counselor in Teen Challenge. Mm-hmm. And then I gave it to God, 1 John 1.9. Mm-hmm says, if you, if you confess your sin to me, John, I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And that showed me that all unrighteousness, my God, that means all the unrighteous things I did. Mm-hmm. But if it's all unrighteousness, it must mean also the bad things that were done to me. Mm-hmm. So God cleansed me from it all. Mm-hmm. And I was set free in this. So I moved those out of the way. Mm-hmm. And then I had fear of man. Mm-hmm. And I committed a challenge. And I had fear of... I found the most difficult thing for me to do was to be myself. Mm. I found myself with a bit of that person's personality, a bit of that person's personality, mm. and I was very confused who I was. Mm-hmm. And then God began to speak to me to do unusual things. Mm-hmm. Like God, when I finished teaching, he said, go and live on the streets mm-hmm. with the homeless. A lot of people were against me doing that. But I thank God that the National Director of Teen Challenge encouraged me to be obedient to God's voice. Mm-hmm. So I moved the fear of man away from me. And I found myself deeper in the presence of God, mm-hmm. meditating more in his presence to the degree that I was able to live on the streets of London with the homeless and the addicts and the prostitutes. And they didn't influence me. I influenced them. Mm-hmm. There was a whole turnaround of influence. And uh, life stopped happening to me. Mm-hmm. And I started happening to life mm-hmm. as I improved my conscious contact with God. Brilliant, John. Brilliant. And... Uh, and then God began to lead me. Make the biggest syringe in the world, John. Mm-hmm. And initially, I thought, well, people will think I'm a total nutcase if I do that. Mm-hmm. And I had to fight that to a deeper level. So I moved that out of the way. Mm-hmm. And so I made it. And we led thousands of people to Christ. I remember sitting in that 
big syringe. It's 33 feet long, by the way. Wow. And I still have it. Mm-hmm. I still have it. And I remember sitting at one day and I was leading some drug dealers to the Lord in the syringe. And the presence of God fell on us. And I, I wept in the syringe and said, God, thank you for helping me to be myself. Mm-hmm. Thank you that you enabled me to move different giants out of the way that I can abide in your presence and improve my conscious contact. The word conscious means we know it, we're aware of it, it's familiar to us. And then God said to me to do other straight, like walk across America. Mm -hmm. I was nuts to do that. (laughs) I had a real battle to do it. Me, a little Irish man out in the middle of the Mojave Desert with an 11 foot wooden cross to my shoulder. And I I still have it, it's outside my my office door here. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, a kind of a wooden cross over my shoulder, out in the middle of the Mojave Desert, questioning my sanity, genuinely. Mm-hmm. Have I lost my trolley? Mm-hmm. Am I com- have I completely missed it? Mm-hmm. And I came into a little town called Lucerne Valley, mm-hmm. and I was roasting, I was all sunburned. Mm-hmm. My mate, I got lost in the desert. How we got lost in the desert, I don't know. <laughs> but I was out on my own with 11 foot cross. And I walked into the back of the church thinking I've lost it. Maybe I've missed it. Or maybe I should just go back home again. Mm-hmm. Giants were assailing my thinking. Mm-hmm. And I walked into the back of the church. Guess what was on in the back of the church? A Narcotics Anonymous meeting. Wow. And I parked the cross outside and I walked in. Do you know something? I spent a week with those people and led every single one of them to the Lord. We had mm-hmm. revival. Wow. Amazing. I was doing the right thing. Wow. So another giant was moved and the conscious, con- conscious, my conscious contact and relationship with God came to a much deeper degree. Cancer was a giant. Hepatitis C was a giant. I had to get 41 pints of blood transfused during that. And I just refused to give in. And I broke through and all the time improving my conscious contact with God, surrounding myself with worship, surrounding myself with the word of God. In my house, I played the word of God on my telly or on you version on my phone. Yeah. I'd play it when I'm driving, the word of God is going constantly and think just one word might jump out of a scripture and I might meditate on that for a whole day. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just live my life so it says in Acts seventeen twenty eight, I think it is. Acts seventeen uh, oh, I might have the scripture wrong I think it's actually but it says this, you'll find it if you Google the scripture. It says um that the disciples lived and moved and had their being in him. Mm-hmm. Their conscious contact with God was so deep and profound that they lived and moved and had their being. Think of those three where they lived, they moved, and they had their very being in him. Mm-hmm. That's the body in Christ. But if you think back to the early days, mm-hmm. people were denying Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, Thomas were doubting him. Mm-hmm. They were arguing amongst each other, who's going to be at your right hand side? Yeah. And they were dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. But after after 17 chapters of the book, after facing these giants, right empowered by baptism in the Holy Ghost in mm. chapter 2 mm. after moving to the giants the other way they eventually came to a place where their conscious uh, meditative relationship with God was so deep mm. that they lived and moved and, had that. and every one of them except the Apostle John mm. was martyred for their faith mm. and uh, was it Peter who had denied Christ and mm. um, got buried upside down because he didn't take the word to be buried the same way as Christ did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what an incredibly big place these so, people so, were in. I mean, probably a big sign should we should put up here a warning that this could seriously change, <laughs> uh, <laughs> seriously endanger your life. <laughs> yeah, but we got eternal life. Uh, <laughs> I've, had to, I've had to face that, you know. I, I was given four months to live 16 mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. 
and I real I got such a revelation that I've got eternal life. Yeah, I'll, I'll never die. Mm -hmm. This body might fade away, mm. you know, but I will live forever. You know, if you chop off my arm, yeah. John Edwards on the inside is no smaller. Yeah, if you chop off both my legs, John Edwards on the inside is no smaller. Mm -hmm. I'm still the same. I'm still the same spiritual size. Mm -hmm. And so when I die, I go into heaven. And then we can come back and reign with them here for a thousand years. <laughs> yeah, got a lot to look forward to, John. Another question I want to ask is the you mentioned it's in one of your toughest moments uh, at the breakup of a church you mentioned years ago, and how and how all the impact that had on you. And then you had that experience when you got away alone and you yeah. encountered God. Um, and I, I'm just asking this for, for for one reason that for those that listen, and they're willing to listen, why to listen, who live in places of deep unhappiness because of what's happened to them, disappointment, discouragement, offence, bitterness, pride, pity, you know, and living in these conditions because of what what what's happened, as you said there, uh, uh, you know, no reacting, living from. Uh, you know what's life happening to me, but um, you know all the things that's happened to is defining us. And you know when you mentioned that to me, I realised that that is a perfect example. You know uh, of of how you didn't allow, well, your connection encounter with God resulted in a a a, a um, you know a transformation, a release and deliverance in your perspective, and against all these things that are coming against you to destroy your life and heart, um, and uh, and led to then no being trapped by it. Can you share a wee bit on that? And then it's just encouraging yeah. people that actually this is how this looks in reality—an encounter with God that changes everything that could have resulted in your life being snubbed out and, and crushed. Yeah. Well, I have to tell it in context. I'll do it as quick as I can. Mm -hmm. um, we were in a church in Solcoats. I won't mention any names, but we were in a church in Solcoats in the west coast of Scotland. Mm -hmm. And um, I was very successful in ministry. There was a bit of a revival happening through what we were doing mm -hmm. around the three towns. And uh, um, But I was so busy that it was breaking me. I had rented 11 houses and flats. We had a cafe in the church. We had a car valet in the church. We had, um, I was preaching all over the country. I was newly married and I had four stepchildren and um, dealing with all of that. And um, one day, I, I wasn't coping with the pressure. I was detoxing lots of people. I had 25 people in rehabilitation, like Teen Challenges at the time as well. And it was too much for me. And my character wasn't built to the degree that I was able to talk to people about it intelligently so I could be released from it. I was still afraid of failure in my life. I've been seen as a failure, a very common thing amongst people in recovery. Mm -hmm. And um, I was under a leadership that I shouldn't have been under. And I knew it, when I went into that church, first of all, I knew I shouldn't have gone in. But because of people encouraging me to come in, I was led by man rather than led by God. So I was in a situation that has the potential. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so uh, one day I came into work and one of the guys had detoxed quicker than normal. And he had left some Librium in my office drawer. Now, I never touch any drugs or drink or anything like that. But I was 10 years clean at this time. And I saw the Librium. There was nobody in the office. And I thought, if I just take one, it'll just take some of the pressure off me. 
and I took one Librium. Within a week, I was taking 30 or 40 a day. And I really lost them. Now, I didn't intend to backslide. These things happen for people who are in recovery. Mm -hmm. To to pretend it doesn't is nonsense. Mm -hmm. These things happen. And that's why I talk about it openly. It's Mm -hmm. important that people like me talk about it openly. We're not perfect. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I was afraid to share it with the leadership in case they'd use it against me. So I kept it to myself. I shared it with a mentor of mine called Mr. Black down in Greenock. Mm -hmm. And my um, my mate Jay Fallon, I shared it with him as well. But these people, um, I eventually told the Christians, and I was right, they came against me. And not only did they come against me, but they, there was lots of lies made up. There's always a little bit of truth, Derek, you know. Mm-hmm. People find a little bit of truth. Mm-hmm. And I was repentant with that bit. But that didn't matter. These people came for me. And they rang up every church I've ever preached in. And they tried to make out that I was on heroin. They tried to make out I had, a, had an affair with the secretary of the church. Oh. And I slept with her. They tried to make out. And I'd never even had a coffee on my own with this lady. Mm-hmm. And um, all that was happening, it was devastating me. And um, then they announced in front of the church that my wife and I were going to get divorced without even talking to me. And other horrific things that completely and absolutely demolished me. Demolished me to the point for the first time in my life, my Christian life, I was almost at a point of suicide. Wow. And I felt one day I nearly crashed my car into a wall at high speed. Mm-hmm. And I managed to pull myself out of doing it. And I decided to fight. Not fight man, but fight into God. Mm-hmm. I began to fast and pray. And God spoke to me through Ziklag, through Ziklag and David again in Ziklag, where his wife was stolen from him. Mm-hmm. I said, what well, if I pursue her, will I get her back? And God says, pursue her, you will get your wife back. And so I pursued my wife, and God did a miracle. Mm-hmm. And Trish and I got reconciled, and our marriage is very strong. We got a fantastic marriage. Mm-hmm. And um, I got back, and bit by bit, things began to change. But I was devastated to the point of suicide. And one night, somebody phoned me up in my house who wanted prayer. It was one of the girls who had stayed in one of the flats in Salcote. Mm-hmm. And I put her into a rehab. And I told God at this stage, I'm giving up ministry. I am never going to minister to anybody again in my life. These Christians are horrible people. And a a mutual friend of ours was devastated to it as well. And um, so these Christians are disgusting, horrible. I I knew better people on the streets. I know nicer gangsters. I know nicer people in mental homes and prisons Mm. than Christians. And I said, you know, so I was giving up the minute. I said, God, I'll stick with the addicts I'm working with. But once I've taken care of them, I'm out of ministry. But one night in my house, my phone rang, and it was the parents of this girl. And they told me that the girl was demanding her medication back in rehab. And the parents knew that if the girl got the medication, that she would take it and that she would be kicked out of the rehab and she would probably lose her son. Mm-hmm. And they said, please pray. And I didn't want to pray for nobody. I didn't want to pray for nobody. I was so broken. And I felt justified in my brokenness because, after all, people had been terrible to me, hadn't they? Mm-hmm. So I felt totally justified in feeling that way. But then I heard the husband, the girl's father, crying in the background for his daughter. And it touched something profoundly deep in me. And I thought, God, I thought to myself, I've become so cold, I'm not even moved by the tears of a father. So I said, against my will, I said, okay, I'll pray for her. And I put the phone down. And Trish and I prayed for this girl. 
and then um, Trisha went to bed after we prayed. And I stayed up for a while and I was thinking about my situation and the tears of the father. And I prayed again for this girl. And then I went to bed. And as I went to bed, um, you see, when I prayed for the girl, I, I actually found when I was praying for her that I was taking my, the attention off myself and my pain. Yeah. And I was thinking of somebody else's pain. A great secret to freedom, by the way. Okay. And I went into bed and I lay down. And I, as I put my head in the pillow, bang, I got taken up out of there. And I was suddenly in this big room, shocked. And I was in this reality where I was filled with the presence of God. And I was in this big room that was about 40 feet long. No, about 60 feet long and 40 feet wide. Mm -hmm. And there was blue plastic chairs in it. And there was a big screen um, on the wall at the end. Mm -hmm. This is before flat screen tellies, but it was like one of them. Mm -hmm. And there was a face on it that I couldn't make out. But I walked over to the far side of the room and I stood against the wall. And I knew by revelation that I was in the waiting room to go into heaven. And I knew that my life was being examined on the far side of that wall to see if my name was written in the Lamb of Life. And I was terrified, Derek. I looked down, I remember, speaking with fear. Name in the book. Am I really a Christian? Am I saved? I began to think of all my bad attitudes. I began to think of a lot of stuff about my life. I was like, my God, if I am saved... The only reason I'm saved is because of what Jesus done for me. There's nothing in me whatsoever that deserves to be saved. There's nothing in me that's good whatsoever. And then I heard a, a, a voice saying, Charles Edwards, come forward. And I looked up towards the front of the room and it was coming from the screen. And I walked up and I put my head down in shame. I couldn't look at the face. I couldn't make the face out. The scripture came to me, no man can see the face of God and live. Mm. And I knew it was Jesus on the screen. And I put my head down and it said, John Charles Joseph Edwards, your life has been examined and you were found to be spotless because of the blood of the lamb. Wow. Enter in rest. <laughs> and whoosh, this, this, the Holy Ghost just. So guys, we just had a bit of uh, media interference here, internet problems. So John, where were we? You were just saying that you'd, you'd heard that voice saying you are uh, cleansed, you're clean, spotless. Yeah. And then I was saying, then I heard a noise to my right and I saw this old guy dressed in a very high-ranking military uniform with medals all here of victories fought and battles won. Mm -hmm. And he had white hair and a red, beautiful red, ruddy face. And he came around behind me mm -hmm. and he stood here in front of me. And he, he, he said, John Edwards, you've been really hurt, haven't you? And I said, yes, I have. He said, John Edwards, you've suffered much grief, haven't you? And I said, yes, I have. And the third time he said, John Edwards, you've suffered much pain, haven't you? I said, yes, I have. And he took a hold of my elbow and he looked at me straight in the eyes with his, these gorgeous blue eyes. He said, this will never happen to you again. Come with me. And he turned me around and he walked me about three or four paces towards the far wall. Mm -hmm. And it's like we entered in through, it was like water. It's like going through an invisible wall. Mm -hmm. And immediately we were in the lower parts of heaven. Wow. And I got totally, there's no English word to describe it, I got totally engulfed, saturated in, filled up to total and complete overflowing mm. of the glory of God. Mm. And it was a, it, 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 it was a place, it, it was dark, it was like lights, like stars all around the place, there was no sense of gravity. Mm -hmm. I was up in the air, there was not, no foundation under my feet, the whole place was like a foundation. Mm. And then... Um, the old 
I think he was an angel. Nobody told me what he was, but this old guy, he moved from my left elbow, he moved around my back, and he took a hold of my right arm. But there was no sense of me falling or rising. I was just there. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even thinking about it. it. It didn't matter. It didn't seem to matter. It wasn't. In the natural, we would think of that. But in this experience, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And he held this arm with his left hand, and he pointed up higher, and he said, look. And I looked up higher into heaven, and there was a young angel coming down towards me. Mm-hmm. And this angel came down and he stood in front of me and he said, John, again, my full name, John Charles Edwards, come with me. There's something we have to show you. And they took me and we flew. If I don't know if flying is the right. We went at a momentum that we can't be measured in miles per hour. Mm-hmm. Way up. And the, the further into, the, into heaven we went, the stronger the presence of God got, where I realized that my body could die. That's how I really believed. I was like I was in my body. Mm-hmm. I thought my body would die. It cannot take. And I was almost longing to shake it off. Mm-hmm. It was in the way of experiencing the depth of God. Mm-hmm. And then they stopped all of a sudden and the young angel went out and the, he went like that and the side of heaven opened up mm-hmm. and I could see the earth down below. But in this experience, earth wasn't like a, like a globe. It, it was it was like a rectangle, <laughs> mm-hmm. and there was paths on it, mm-hmm. pathways, and the angel began to speak to me and said, "These are the paths of life, mm-hmm. and there be the people that walk on them." Mm-hmm. And I could see thousands of people walking on these paths. Some were bright, were wide and broad, and at the and some were narrow and straight. Mm-hmm. And there was thousands of people all over these paths. And at the end of these paths, I could see people falling into hell. At the end of the path, there was like a big glass vial. And the death that everybody was going to die was in this vial. In, in some of them, there was like a big Buddha with a big belly on the Buddha. You know what a Buddha is? Mm-hmm. With a big belly. Mm-hmm. And in the belly of the Buddha was the death. I could see shipwrecks. I could see car crashes. I see cancers, mm-hmm. heart attacks, all kinds of people, ways of people dying. Mm-hmm. And they were falling into hell. And I began to weep and think, why won't somebody tell them? And the angels were letting me watch this. I said, why won't somebody tell them the gospel? Mm-hmm. Now remember, I'm giving up the ministry. Mm-hmm. Why won't somebody tell them the gospel? Mm-hmm. And then I could hear the book of Ecclesiastes getting read out. There's a time to be born. And I could see the beginning of everybody's life. Mm-hmm. A time to weep and a time to cry and so on. Mm-hmm. And a time for man once to die. And then eternity. Mm-hmm. The narrow paths were the Christians. Mm-hmm. They were going straight into heaven. But the Christians had their heads down and they were walking on slowly and the clothes they were wearing were drab looking clothes and they weren't concerned that people were falling into hell. They were just concerned about their where their feet were. They were concerned about their personal life and they didn't have a burden for other people. And as I saw that suddenly a cross came out of heaven, high up in heaven, a wooden cross that came down and stuck like a dagger into one of the broad highways. And the highway went whoop, went in like that, was, became straight and narrow, and hell vanished from the end, and there was a divine appointment for the people on that pathway. Mm-hmm. Then I heard a voice, and I believe it was God himself speaking to me, and he said, John Charles Joseph Edwards, take my gospel to the lost and take the cross to my people. Wow. John Charles Joseph Edwards said the gospel, and then suddenly thousands of crosses began to come out of heaven and go like daggers into all over, all over the planet. And I began, to pull, I began to pull out with the experience and I woke up in my bed. And three hours had passed. Mm-hmm. And my room, my bedroom was filled with the glory of God. 
Trisha woke up and she'd looking at me. She said I was glowing. It was a glow. Coming. She said, "What's happened to you? Look, what's going on?" And the house was filled with the presence of God. Mm-hmm. That, that mother and father, the night before, the father who was crying. Mm-hmm. So that father phoned up the, the the father and mother phoned up the house and told us a miracle had happened to that girl, mm-hmm. and that um, in the rehab, and that she had got her medication and crushed them, literally crushed them under her feet. Mm-hmm. And repented and given her life to God, and she was completely set free. Great. Mm-hmm. She became a pastor with her husband of a church later on. Amazing. And a, a, re, a real miracle. But mm-hmm. from that experience, um, that experience happened because I chose to press into God rather than go into offense Aye. and get bitter and attack the people who had hurt me. I could have very easily done it. Exactly. Uh, you know. Uh, yeah, forgiveness, you know, people tell us, you know, make a decision to forgive. But for me, forgiveness is a decision, but it's also a process. <laughs> it feel like you're forgiving them, you know. Mm-hmm. But as I chose to press into God, mm-hmm. and I remember before that experience happened, you know, I used to go up in the hills behind Largs where I lived at the time. Mm-hmm. I used to walk up in the hills and pray and press into God to try and stop myself going into the mm-hmm. giant of offense and bitterness. Mm-hmm. And the person who engineered that big attack against me, it turned out that they were actually having the affair mm. with a woman that they accused me of having the affair with. Mm-hmm. And I was like a scapegoat. Mm-hmm. But I ended up actually helping that person later. Mm-hmm. It was like I had to, mm-hmm. because of what had happened in heaven. Mm-hmm. I had to reach out and try and help this person. Mm-hmm. And when I actually reached out to try and help them, the day I reached out, they were suicidal. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the story goes on. But uh, yeah, that was that was certainly, a, and and I stayed in ministry. Mm-hmm. I, out of everybody who was in that situation, bar our mutual friend, mm-hmm. uh, we were the only two that stayed in ministry. Mm-hmm. All the rest of them were out. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, John. And I, as I say, I've known him well for Sunday, and through that time, uh, I read this book called "Hind's Feet for High Places." This quote for David, and it's in the uh, the end of the song <coughs> songs. Um, and the the amazing the, the amazing realities of this story that this woman writes, the author writes, is what you've just explained. Yeah. And how so, how many times do we look on from our own place of hurt and, and offence and that, and you're looking at the misery or the the wretchedness in somebody else, um, the you know who is full of pride or bitterness or you know. Um, selfishness, spite, malice, whatever the things that's going on in them. And it's so easy to look at how horrible people's natures are and what they're, how, and how they're, what they're, what they're reflecting. But this author beautifully points that when she had this revelation of what you had getting taken higher, high, higher, high above the, the, these, these wrong things, she saw she she was they were just as tormented as she was when she was living and all that stuff in her, and it was only through her encounter with the shepherd of our souls, the lover of our souls, the God that David's uh, talking about here, that that uh, that she was able to have a compassion, and looking down and seeing these guys that are living to be like that, you're living a totally wretched existence. You know, the in, you're living like that with all these things going on inside of you. And, and you know, so the beauty of being able to come from a higher place 
to be able to do what you're saying and give back to people who have, who have actually tried to, uh, had intent to, to hurt and destroy your life in some way, but to be able to pour back love, pour out forgiveness, pour out hope uh, on on these people, uh, on, on a lost world. That are that are that are, uh, that are people run about us that are that are that are maybe that are maybe just um, you know they've, they've never known that I can invite God into my these areas of my heart. I can invite Him in. If I say yes to Him, He'll do the exact same for us. He'll He'll heal us. He'll restore us. He'll forgive us. He'll cleanse us. He'll He'll turn He'll use beauty for ashes. It will turn sorrow into joy, you know, offence into forgiveness uh, and peace. Um, so, John, can you just close? Thanks so much, mate, for sharing your intimate details there. Just close with, with, with prayer, just inviting people uh, and, and, and even just praying a prayer of impartation that they would experience this conscious contact, that they would experience a, a, a depth of God's presence that they've never encountered before. Amen. Amen. Oh, Christ, we just pray, God, on behalf of everybody watching, uh, whoever they are, wherever they happen to be, whatever's happening in their life, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come upon them. Mm-hmm. May there be a deep manifestation of the presence of Christ upon them, Lord God, the resurrected Savior. Mm-hmm. Touch them in their brokenness, Lord God, to heal them in their wounds, to help them with wrong attitudes and stinking thinking, Lord God. Mm-hmm. Help them to fight the great fight, God, of warfare, to take captive every thought, mm-hmm. to fight the giants that visit them, Lord God, to mm-hmm. beat the Goliaths, to beat the religious spirits, to reach the manifestation of the accuser of the brethren, to receive victory over these things, Lord God. Mm-hmm. Help some people, God, who are being accused in the wrong, who are losing everything. Give them the revelation, God, that it's impossible to lose everything because the more we lose, the more we'll gain. Mm. Father, thank you, Lord God, we can learn from people like Job, mm. who lost everything but ended up with twice as much. Mm. Lord, the same happened to me. Mm. Father, let it happen to everybody watching, Lord God. They may have been broken, mm. devastated, divorced, uh, children, mm. wives, husbands, leave them, partners, leave them. Mm-hmm. Broken through accusations, through lies, been told about them. But we know there's always a bit of truth. Mm-hmm. Help them not to defend themselves, Lord God. Mm-hmm. Help them just to take it like a man or a woman mm. on the chest, Lord God, and to fight through into God and not to fight the people. Mm. Not flesh and blood that we fight, God, mm-hmm. but as powers and principalities. Mm-hmm. Help them to fight the spiritual warfare, Lord God. I pray victory upon them, God. Mm-hmm. I find every devil and demon attacking everybody who's in any of these situations in their world. And I pray for breakthrough and blessing and joy and peace and a revelation of the deep sense of the presence of the resurrected Christ mm-hmm. in them, Lord God. It's no longer they who live, but it's Christ who lives in them. Mm-hmm. Let the presence of Christ manifest more and more so that they are gone and they live and move and have their being in Christ. Mm-hmm. And like David, they are strong in you, mm-hmm. only seeking to be found in your presence, Lord God. Mm-hmm. Do the miracle in people who are watching and listening, God, I pray. Mm-hmm. In mighty name. Amen, John. Thank you very much. And, and uh, guys, um, if that's touched you, John um, has got a ministry walking free. Uh, he's doing retreats all about the country, uh, Ireland and the UK, uh, along uh, the, these lines, um, inviting people 
into an encounter with God for themselves that changes everything. So, um, John, which, what's the best way to contact you? Just a website, email? My website is walkingfree.org. Mm-hmm. Or they can email me on johnwalkingfree at gmail.com. Great. So, guys, uh, until next time, God bless you. This has been the Freedom Fighter Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you want to connect with our services or you want more info or details about upcoming events, connect with us online at www.freedomfighter.life or drop us an email at info at freedomfighters.life. Until next time, God bless you.